Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. Another week and another time I get to talk to my two great friends, great co-hosts here. Nick McVicker joined through the Garage Door Sports Cup phone by Irfan Manji and Kyle Vardy. Irfan, how are you doing today, my man? I'm good. It's Saturday. Uh, doing good. A little tired. So you can insert Kyle's clip for me as well, saying I'm tired. <laughs> Kyle, do we just need to play the clip or are you going to give me a different answer today? Uh, you can probably play the clip, clip but I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm doing all right. I can't complain. I'm just going to make this clip and just instead of you answering, I'm just going to hit it and we won't yeah, have to exactly. worry about this anymore. Exactly. Uh, but hey, another week of sports means another week that we get to talk. So can't really complain about that, boys. Um, lots happening in the sporting world. We have World Juniors coming up in Canada going into quarantine. We have NBA talk that we want to get through because lots of people signing, lots of things happening. We want to get a little bit of a predictions going. And NFL, it was an interesting week in the NFL last weekend. Uh, and I mean, all the way up until Wednesday, because they kept pushing the week longer and longer and longer and longer. So let's get into our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy, calling all kickers and punchers in the Southern Ontario region. If you are looking for a year round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni. And after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Visit the mechanicakingacademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. And boys, I want to start with MLB. And this week, the non-tender deadline came and went, and there was, I believe, 56 players non-tendered across the league. We're not going to look at them all. That's that's too many, and some of them were logical non-tenders. Let's, let's be real. I want to focus on four. And we're going to start with one that really surprised me more for the fact of the name than anything, not because of how he's played the last few years, but Kyle Schwarber of the Cubs got non-tendered. Kyle, I want to get your thoughts on this. I have some stuff I want to add later, so let's start with you. Yeah, to be honest, um, not a huge surprise to me, in, in my opinion, I guess, all really came down to money, and we've heard pretty much all year that the Cubs are trying to cut as much cash as they possibly can. Um, obviously, when you have a 188 batting average last year, Yes, he put out 11 home runs, but at a certain point, you got, he's like an Adam Dunn type player. Not saying he's that quality, but you you can only surpass so many home runs to look past the average, I guess is really what it is. Um, I'm not hugely surprised, to be honest. And like look, looking at him, I don't really know where he fits other than really DH right now. So um that could be a hindrance on his market. So it'd be interesting to see where he ends up. Absolutely. Uh, Irf, on your thoughts? Um, also not surprised with the Cubs wanting to cut costs. 
but at the same time, I think his time in Chicago is done. Like, I mean, you look at the championship team versus now, and I think half the guys, A, don't want to be there, or management can't afford them anymore, or don't want to spend money on them. And I think this is just one of the cuts we're going to see or big moves that we're going to see from the Cubs this year. So, um, like Kyle said, I think he's more of a DH. I don't know if he fits in left field per se, but, I mean, if he goes to a team that is going to sit at the bottom of the league, like maybe the Tigers or something, or the Royals that need some pop after losing Alex Gordon with the Royals there, I mean, that could be a potential fit because they can just leave him on the bench, let him come on and hit him. Maybe, maybe he'll hit better, but, I mean, there's no guarantee. Do you guys remember when this guy was, like, the the catching prospect? Yeah. And now we're not even talking about him potentially even playing catcher. Like, that's ridiculous to me. Well, because he, um, he just barely played catcher. In the MLB, the I know. Yeah. I know. I know. But it's just funny. Like, he was the catching prospect at one point. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone was like, oh, yeah, they're putting him in left field just because they have this guy for this year. And then the next yeah. year came and they had another guy. And then the next year came and they, they had another guy. And he just never got a chance to play catcher at all. It was so just, could, he, just, could he potentially play for a team that needs a catcher? No. No. If you haven't caught in four years, you're not jumping back behind the plate. I don't think that's that's happening. He's either going to be a left fielder or or a right fielder potentially, and, or a DH. Like that's really the, his only spots right now. Like, I don't see him being anywhere else. I think the reason that it surprised me the most, and I, again, I don't. I'm with you guys. I don't think this was a surprise that he was cut. I just think it was a surprise because remember the Araldis Chapman deal that the Cubs made. Mm-hmm. They said Schwarber was untouchable. And they instead traded who? The Gio? It wasn't Gio. It was, uh, it was Torres? Torres. Torres. It was Torres. Torres. They traded Torres and kept Schwarber because he was Theo Epstein's guy. Schwarber was Epstein's guy. There's and no as soon Epstein as Epstein now. leaves, mm-hmm. he's gone. Like, just, they have no fear of getting rid of him. So, I think that was a surprise, and I credit that little anecdotal fact for uh, my classmate Jordan McDonald. Check him out with Jake on their podcast. But they, he, I'm, I was a little surprised by that, but he hasn't played well. He doesn't really deserve anywhere close to the money that he was getting, and the Cubs made the right decision, I think. And as you guys said, I have no clue where he's going to end up, honestly. Well, the the Cubs said they might bring him back, just not at the money he was owed. I think it was like seven to ten million dollars he was potentially going to make in arbitration. So. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was nine point six is what yeah. I thought I read. I could be totally wrong on that, but mm-hmm. I thought that was the number I saw to connect it to him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's that's it's a weird situation. I think Schwarber, he'll listen though. He'll listen to any offer because I don't know if he wants to go back, really. It all depends if the Universal DH is back in, in the National League again next year. That, yeah, that's but I still don't question. think he wants to necessarily go back to the Cubs is what I'm saying. No, After everything that's happened, I think he probably yeah. is going to listen to everything and try to find a new new home. Potentially, yeah. The, the biggest thing is it's got to be a fit. And if, no, the, if the National League doesn't have a DH next year, that really, that really hinders his market. AL or bust for Schwarber, boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, somebody will overpay. I'm looking at the Phillies when I think of that. They might just overpay him, bring him in because he has the potential for a big bat. So that's NL. Phillies, Phillies don't have money though. No, yeah. I know, I know, I know. It's NL. I'm just saying that if if he ends up anywhere, don't be surprised. It could potentially be Philly just because they're they're usually there to spend money, and then they're trying to get rid of Segura, so that contract could be in and out for in terms of cash. Interesting. Huh? Um, let's move on, Kyle. You want to pick the next 
non-tender? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with my biggest surprise, I guess, and that's our that's Archie Archie Bradley is my biggest surprise on a non-tender. Um, had a 295 ERA last year, and since 2017 has had a 295 ERA over those three years. Um, so I'm kind of confused as to why he was cut. I I don't get it. Um, honestly, probably jumps out now with Trevor May going to the Mets, apparently probably jumps out as one of the top free agent arms on the market right now. I was going to say, yeah, it has to be. And definitely looking into somebody who's potentially being their closer. Um, so it, it's definitely a kind of a surprise to me. Like I, I honestly thought Iglesias was going to be gone out of, out of Cincinnati. Rather than yeah, Bradley, I did too. I, that but, was, that was the logical one that I thought was going to happen, but like I guess Iglesias, I think, I think he's making $9 million. So like to me, if you want to cut costs, you do that comparatively because I don't think RG Bradley in arbitration was going to get anywhere near $9 million. He made four, 4.1 last year. So um, yeah, that, that's just to me, he, and honestly where he could go, he could go anywhere. Anywhere yeah. that needs a closer is pretty much it. Even, even if they don't need a closer, he could be a, a fantastic eighth inning guy. So um, that it just, I, I don't understand that one by Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I don't get it. And like, as you said, he's pitched decently well the last few years. Mm. And I mean, he's been, when he came up, he was a starter, but he's been a pretty rock solid reliever over the last few years. The highest average that he's had is 364 mm. since he transitioned to bullpen. Like as a bullpen arm, a 364 average is pretty good. Like, absolutely. And that was his highest. Everything else has been lower than that. So I think he could be a potentially big addition to any team trying to be a playoff team. Uh, Irfan, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, of course, you look at his ERA and his track record. I mean, he went from Arizona to – like, I don't understand that either. It's like there's a lot of things in here that I think teams could have kept their players, but I guess they looked at costs and were like, we're not tendering them for that. But um, if since he needs a closer, which they need pitching because I think – Bauer doesn't come back. They need a bullpen because their starters aren't very good. Well, that's an understatement. <laughs> right? Uh, I know. I was trying to be as nice as possible, but um, like, I'm looking at his stats when he went over to Cincy for the six games he pitched. He was he had a 1.17 ERA. Like, that's... Oh, he was gross. That was ridiculous. Um, and I think there's a lot of teams that could bite on him for, let's say, five to seven million dollars to be like, here's a gimme contract. And um, look at any of the NL teams or the AL teams that are the tops last year that were in the playoffs who could use another arm and hey, they'll take it. So mistake by Cincy, which isn't a surprise because it's Cincinnati, but I mean, is it, I don't know if it's necessarily a mistake. And the only reason I say that is because if you look at the back end of Cincy's bullpen right now with players that are actually signed, it's actually not that bad. You got Iglesias closing, you got Amir Garrett and Michael Lorenzen. Mm-hmm. Um, in your seven, eight hole. And then you got Lucas Sims and uh, uh, TJ Antoine as some of your longer relievers. It's not a bad road. It's not a bad bullpen. And maybe they just decided that Bradley, maybe he didn't fit in the clubhouse or something. Like we don't know that. Mm. It looks, it is a question though, for sure. So why not make a trade and get something back from that's a great question, Irfan. If I was inside the Reds organization, maybe I could tell you. I think that would be the logical answer, but I, I don't. I don't know. Like I have no clue. And 
That's I mean I like I get that you're saying that their bullpen's good in the back end. Like yeah. that's fine. But I'm just saying that if you look at his stats from the last two, three years, I agree. You can leverage this guy for anything. I agree. Not anything, but like for something good, like a good well, piece. You you could hundred percent like I don't think it'd be anything major, especially with it being potentially him being cut anyways. Yeah. Um, you're not like any team's not really gonna give up a whole lot. But you could definitely get one of those like diamond in the rough type prospects where it's hey this guy has all the all the tools we're going to take a shot at him as a but he hasn't played any games above a ball or something like that but he could be a superstar in the making and just take a shot and get something for him and that piece doesn't count for your roster right so it's you're getting somebody off your roster and you're getting a prospect back so yeah i i agree with you and like it's really funny to think that he was in his first year as a reliever, he was he ranked twentieth in MVP voting that year. Yeah, for his league, that's kind of crazy to think. Um, let's move on, Irfan. Take your pick, man. We got um, fifty four other non tenders. <laughs> Who do you want to take? <laughs> um, so I'll, I have two that I was very surprised about, but the the biggest one out of my two is Eddie Rosario. I mean, yeah, I mean he one of the better hitters for the Twins the last couple of years. I mean left fielder was 29 i mean i'm just pulling up the stats but i'm a little surprised by this one just because i think they could use some bats i mean we saw last year in the playoffs against the the astros they didn't have anyone that wanted to hit and like no offense to the strows but they weren't overly great with pitching or anything like that so i mean a little surprising there and i mean they had that they had nelson cruz they had josh donaldson so like the whole team just kind of fell on their face and i think maybe that could be the reason why they didn't want to re-sign him because they're like, if you're going to fall f- flat on your face, I don't really need you on my team. We're going to get someone cheaper or maybe have someone from the minors come up. But that was my biggest surprise, I think. And then I think the second surprise I was a little confused about, but I get why was um, Tyler Naquin from the Indians not getting tendered. I think the guy's a great defender. Um, some holes in his swing, which, I mean, I get it, but um, he does have a little bit of pop. He's a left-handed bat, so those are hard to find in the outfield. So no, for guys. sure, yeah. for sure. Um, I think when it comes to Rosario, it's he has the pop for sure. I think Kyle, you're going to agree with that. He has he has the power, but his batting average has been going down every year for the past three seasons, and his postseason numbers are either great in his first two appearances in the postseason or awful. He didn't get a hit this year in the postseason in seven, in seven at bats, zero for seven. Right. But that whole mini team wasn't hitting. The whole, I under, I understand yeah. that, but if you're supposed to be one of the better hitters on your team, like everyone was touting Rosario to be, mm. you can't be, you can't be going over in the playoffs. Kyle, what are your thoughts on uh, Rosario? And then we'll go back to Naquin, you and me. Um, yeah, to be honest, I think it was for for him. I think it's pretty all my money. I don't think it's anything about his stats. I don't think it's anything, anything about who he is as a player. Yeah. Um, I think it all has to do with Minnesota's trying to cut costs. Um, they're trying to compete as a team, but also cut cut those unneeded costs, right? Like you look at them potentially not bringing back Nelson Cruz um, because he's not maybe, maybe not worth $15 million for a guy who only plays DH and can't play anything else. Um, and Eddie Rosario, I think, was in line to make like almost eleven million dollars this year or something like that in uh, yeah in arbitrations. So well, I mean, he was seven point seven five last year. 
So arbitration probably would have given him close to 10 or 11. Yeah. Yeah. So you look at it, he had 13 home runs, 42 RBIs last game or last year. And 51 uh, games. That's not bad. Yeah. So like, honestly, you can't complain about that. And anything over 250 for an average, you're fine with as, a, as an MLB player. So um, I think some teams actually going to sign him. And I think, I think some teams going to get very lucky with, with actually getting them, getting him out of Minnesota. So um, the only problem is he strikes out a lot and doesn't get on base a lot. So yeah. that's his only thing. Um, Could he and... end up on a team that's like a hitter, hitter friendly stadium, for example, like the Rockies or the ball carries a lot. Like he would probably succeed out there. Yeah, he, he definitely could, and especially with them cutting ties with Dahl right now, I can definitely see Rosario potentially going out there. Yeah. Um, his only aspect that hurts him a little bit is his defense isn't top-notch. So um, that, could, that park is big. Yeah, that could play a factor potentially, and especially as we, again, we say there's no DH where you can potentially switch him in every now and then and play him a DH. Um, could play a factor into his actual market. So. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Naquin, I think, is a little bit of an easier – one to swallow wasn't making a whole lot last year 1.45 so i don't think this one's about money i think it's about his production on the field uh as Irfan, you said it he's a he's a good fielder but the batting stats are not where everyone expected them to be after his rookie season 218 average just isn't going to cut it and i think it's actually his postseason production that has really killed him across four four series so two seasons in the playoffs he has a 161 batting average that's that's not nope. going to cut it for a that's guy true. who was supposed to be a top prospect. Yeah, he he's just one of those guys who never truly put everything together. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, definitely has all the all has definitely has potential and definitely has has a great opportunity for sure, but just never actually put it all together. Um, if I have to touch on quickly on one other person that kind of surprised me was uh, actually Mikhail Franco at Kansas City. Yeah, same thing. Um, but the, the thing is, he never put it together until he, until this year, which kind of surprised me. So, yeah, but, it's, uh, but that's what I mean. It's the same thing with Naquin is that they both just haven't really put it together. Mikel Franco a little bit this year, but like they just yeah, haven't like, put it together. Franco this year, eight home runs, 38 RBIs and a 278 average. So like to me, that's not a guy that you just designate and cut. Like that's a guy you bring back depending on what the money is. But honestly, it's the MLB. I have no idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, he made 2.95 last year with KC. Mm -hmm. And this was, this is also another guy who had one really good year, batted 280. And then everything else has been below that. And this year he kind of turned it around, but again, it was a 60 game season. It's a small sample size, right? Yeah, for sure. So it's, it's kind of hard to say. Um, Let's move on. I I, like, I know David Dahl, that was a surprise as well. All-star, all that um, getting cut by the Rockies. Can't can't stay healthy. That's the biggest problem. That's that's his thing right there. So they, they cut ties. He'll end up in a bullpen and doing something good for somebody. Right. On the bench. You mean? Yes. He'll, he'll end up in a bullpen. If he's trying to make a catch, potentially. Sure. Seeing as he's an outfielder and would not be in the bullpen. Why did I think he was a pitcher? Never mind. (laughs) I thought he was a pitcher. I was thinking something else. Wow. (laughs) I was, I was, I was, I was waiting for you to like say, ha ha it's a joke. And I'm like, Oh no, he's serious right now. Okay. Oh. Yeah. I, I kind of was like, wait, are we talking about Randon by accident? Yeah. Cause like that's uh, a, Rodon, yeah, for, we talk about the, yeah, was, we talk about the same. Um, I don't know David why Dahl. I thought David Dahl was a pitcher for a second. Yeah, it's all good. Brain crap. That's a pitcher name, I guess. I don't know. 
there there we go that's why no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i'll try to justify it this, for this you. is a guy who also missed an entire year in 2017 uh due to injury so all-star in 2019 had a 183 average this past season in a shortened season so they just decided to cut ties and he'll be uh he'll be an interesting play wherever he ends up will be uh he'll have to fit in right away or else he's probably just getting a one year regardless and who knows let's move on to the already free agents prior to this week the big names we got four of them let's go through them fairly quickly but let's get it done uh let's start with george springer houston astro center fielder highly highly touted everyone seems to want him he's linked to like eight teams right now but i think the big ones are probably going to be Houston obviously has as the inside track just because he's been there. He knows the clubhouse, yada, yada, yada. Jays seem to be a big push for him right now. Um, Irfan, where do you see Springer sort of ending up when all is said and done? Um, I think there's multiple teams that can vie for his bat. I don't know if necessarily he goes back to Houston just because I think a lot of the players there need to get out of that shadow of the cheating scandal. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I think he needs to move on because I, I think as good of a player he is with his bat and his speed and his skill and his defensive ability, um, I think that's always going to be a question mark by his name is, you know, you're part of that scandal as good as you are. Are you really that great? Right. Yeah. So um, for him, and I know you said Houston has the inside track, but I think he can pick any other team that's interested in him. And I mean, the Jays are there. I mean, any team that needs a big bat in the outfield, I mean, the Red Sox could use some help uh, for a bat, for example, or the Rays could maybe, you know, break their model for a second and pick up a guy who can hit. Cause I think the Rays could have potentially had a chance in the finals there where they were one bat away. Cause you know, low was okay, but he wasn't what they wanted him to be, for example. So, I mean, there's so many other players, uh, so many other teams, sorry, that he could end up on. And I don't think it should be Houston, but that's a personal thing, but does he end up in Houston? Probably. Cause like, he wants to be with his boys, but um, yeah. for his career, I don't think he should be there. Fair. Kyle? Um, I, I, as Rafon said, he could go really anywhere. He's been linked to pretty much every other team, and yeah. he's been linked to Jay's end. Or every, Jay's have been linked to every end of the sun, essentially, is what it is. True. But, so all, um, of the, all of the free agents that we're going to talk about have all been linked to the Jay's, except for one, I think. Much pretty No, pretty much everyone. Yep. Um. Springer, um, underdog, we go to the Giants. I think uh, underdog. Yeah. They have the money to spend. And pairing him with Yastrzemski in the outfield, I think could be a great combination. Um, big, big outfield too. So Exactly. And so I think look at look for them to be an underdog um, to sign him as well. Okay. Who's your non-underdog though? Red Sox. Okay. See, I don't, I don't see him fitting in the Red Sox just because they have JBJ. Uh, yeah, but JBJ is potentially getting traded this offseason. So right, and I if think. that happens, yes, Springer obviously becomes the logical replacement. But, but I'm even then, saying, as even of then, right I, now, I think I think Springer probably would play right field and take over. But they have uh, Verdugo there, who they yeah, like. You switch Verdugo over to left field, and you're fine. Because yeah. who was in left though? It would have been Benatendi, but Benatendi hit like .08 last year, so. Um, nobody on the Red Sox had a good year last year. So. Yeah, I was going to say that's not really been intended by himself. But. No, but I'm, but I'm I'm just saying I think if if the Red Sox truly want to get back into contention, yeah, fair. They have to open up their wallets, and I think George Springer and the outfield could be a huge piece to that. And they're getting their pitching back because multiple people opted out, got hurt at the beginning of the this yep. season. So, yeah, maybe. 
I actually do think he ends up in the Jays. I think it's just a logical spot for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than Houston, uh, he fits in with the mentality of we need someone who can ha- hit for power, but also has average because the Jays are a lot of the Jays are big bat or bust sort of thing. So having a guy who can do both is something that they need to add. Um, it's also a the logical, the logical move. Then you move Grichuk to one of the corner outfields. What's what? Irvon said he's a winner. Yeah, I mean, you still can he consider. Might be a winner. He might be a winner. We're not really sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just saying in terms of his experience in the playoffs, I think it's no, 100. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. So you add all that in, I think it's a good fit for a young J squad, and I think he see. I think a lot of t- players and a lot of teams see the the potential of this J squad the next couple of years, and I think that's drawing a lot of free agents towards the north. So, and especially with how Hanjin Ryu kind of signed last year, that was, I think that was a turning point in free agency for Toronto right there. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Another big name. How about the Yankees second baseman, DJ LeMahieu, who had a career year last year in pinstripes. But now it looks like he's not going to end up back in pinstripes. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on uh, LeMahieu here? Um, definitely the top. Basically, second baseman, third baseman, hybrid type guy. You can definitely play wherever you want. Um, personally, I do think he goes back to the Yankees. Um, okay. There's rumors out there right now that the, they're talking about a five-year, $100 million deal. Okay. So um, it all depends on if the Yankees are willing to make that cash deposit, I guess. Uh, I do think they do, though, because he was obviously the leadoff hitter, pretty much their best player last year. Uh, offensively, at least. I'm sorry. Pretty um, much. Pretty well, much. You you can you can argue Luke Voigt was there as well, but um, okay. but he he was basically the heart and soul of that team last year, and losing him would be a huge blow for the Yankees. So I, I suspect him going back there. Yeah, absolutely. Irfan, um, the fact that he's a utility player and can hit and can do so much with the bat. I mean. I think if the Yankees lose them, they're stupid. Um, so put the money in there. I know he's 32, so a five-year deal would take him into 37. So maybe that's where there's a massive hiccup for the Yankees and Cashman. So, I mean, I think Kyle's right. Like the most logical fit would be to stay in New York because that team is just a couple of rounds away from winning a, a championship. I think they're they're one of the best teams. So I don't know if you necessarily should leave. Um, I know he was linked to the Mets because he wants to be in the New York area, but um, – the Mets are a mess. So um, until they the figure Mets it out. Mets have new ownership, though. Everyone have, wants to go to the Mets now. Yeah, all right. It'll pay you, but is he going to pay the right players? Questions. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I think the most logical fit for DJ is end up in New York, play with the Yankees, play with Judge Stanton. That team is great. So um, I think the hiccup is that five-year contract, if it is. Yeah, no, it makes, it makes sense. And uh, I, I think I agree with you guys that he should end up in the Yankees. He's been linked been to the best Jays. hitter for the last three yeah, years. Exactly. Right? Like... He has. I, I don't get it, but I think they, they're just concerned about the age. Right. And I mean, you also have, we can't forget they have Gleyber Torres. They have Gio Urshela in the system. They have Miguel Andujar. So finding time for everyone to play that that's where it becomes a little bit more interesting. But when you have a guy like LeMahieu, you have to, you have to find the time. The guy batted 364 this year. And the year before, he was what, like three twenty-seven, yeah, like three something, yeah. three twenty-seven. It can't, it can't be cutting a guy like that. 
So he should find a home with the Yankees. If not, Jays need to jump all over that as well. Like, I'm not, I'm not kidding because you add that kind of versatility, which is something that the Jays like. You got to be doing something like Listen, that. And then it you replaces have a real... brain injury. Well, no, it's and more you have a real utility. leadoff hitter. That too, but also like the utility side of his game. You can toss him yeah. anywhere and anything. And I don't think exactly. then you don't need Brandon Jury. You don't need Joe Panic. Exactly. Well, and that's, to, and to, the thing to is, to those honest, guys were brought yeah. in the last couple of years because they needed veteran presence. They don't need the true <laughs> veteran presence anymore, even though LeMahieu is a veteran. Like, that's not the reason that you bring a player in. Now you bring a player in to make your infield better. You don't bring yeah. him in just for veteran. To be honest, if he, if he goes to the Jays, there's no versatility to him. He's the second baseman. Uh, no, but I'm saying you could, depend, depending on injuries and stuff, you can move him around. Sure. The versatility is something sure. that the Jays look for as a backup <clears throat> option. Not. I, th- I, th- I think I think first person would be Biggio that goes to a different position. Yeah, well, but, um, but Biggio's going to play a different position every game anyway because it's Biggio. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> it doesn't really matter what position he's given. He's, sure. he's going to play everywhere. So, um, let's move on quickly. The other position player, I guess, that we want to talk about is JT Riomuto. Mm-hmm. Um, catcher, obviously the best catcher available. Where do we see him ending up there, Irfan? I hope the Phillies spash and keep him because i mean they traded for him didn't they yeah right so i mean the most logical thing would be let's let's keep him the guy's one of the best catchers in the game i mean just i mean grandall signed a what four year 73 million dollar deal with the white Sox. like i think he's up there in that range of money so um i think the phillies can't afford to be cheap on this guy just because i think he's a very good very good catcher very good hitter um and i think the phillies need to keep him like i said that three times in the sentence <laughs> that's all i could say i mean i read something the other day where james mccann was getting a contract instead of uh rio muto somewhere for like a ridiculous amount like did i read that right was that like he was yeah, getting yeah J- was J- like, J- james james mccann is probably the hottest catcher on the market right now yeah which is something uh, like it, it's purely because real muto wants 100 million dollars and that's yeah. pretty much what it comes down to yeah and um, what it comes down to is the Phillies already came out and said that they've lost like like a billion dollars or something like yeah, that last like year. That. It's yeah. like so the Phillies have basically said they're out on every free agent. It's essentially what they said. So they're gonna sign off and say they're not gonna get Rio Muto back. That, is... That's that's what pretty that's much. What they, yeah. That's what they basically what said. They, they they basically said they don't have the money to buy any free agents right now. So um, it okay. it's a it's a mess out there. Um, Personally, I think the Mets, we were talking about them having money. I think the Mets signing Real Muto um, is probably the top place he would end up going. Um, I think that fits perfectly with that team um, and brings a solid bat in that lineup because Wilson Ramos is terrible. So um, putting Real Muto on the Mets, I think, and they have the money to spend. So I think that that's a fit right there. Yeah, and it gives them a little bit more time to uh... – groom their young catchers because like Thomas Nito is potentially going to be really good, but he's not ready yet. Right. Yeah. So you put, you put a guy like Real Muto in for a few years and then those guys get a couple extra years of just being the backup catcher to get MLB experience. And then you're good to go. Sure. I agree with you guys hundred percent there on the Mets. So let's move on to the best pitcher available. Trevor Bauer, 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 Bauer. He would look good in a Jays jersey. Just he saying. would. Um, yeah, that was the first team that was linked to him, ironically. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't believe that. Like, after all the stuff that happened with Bauer and Toronto a few years ago, 
Toronto was the first team linked to him as soon as he became a free agent. And I'm just like, what is going on? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, so, some people are saying it's like, some people are saying it's kind of a hoax. Um, just to basically him playing on the heartstrings of Jays fans and trying to disappoint them, I guess. Well, no, um, but he came out, he actually came out and said like, I have no bad blood towards the city. So I'm keeping them in, I'm keeping them in the options. He didn't, yeah, he didn't but, link himself to it, but he was just saying in regards to the link, like I have no bad blood towards the city. It was just a heat of the moment thing. Then again, majority of the stuff he says, like he goes back on it the next day or the next year or whatever it may be. Oh, I only want to sign one year contracts. And now all of a sudden he wants a giant contract. This no, he said he only so. wanted to sign one year contracts five years ago because he kept getting screwed. No, but he said like for the rest of his career, he only wants one year contracts. So he wants to maximize his value is what he said, but either. Um, I look at, I look at Trevor Bauer and I look at the angels and I look at that as a perfect fit. I think the Angels finally getting the pitching to support Trout is exactly what they need. And obviously, they have the money. Uh, Shohei Otani doesn't look like it's he's going to work out as a pitcher. Um, he looks damn good as a hitter. He does. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> luckily, that turned out, and he didn't turn out to be a complete bust. But uh, I think the pitching size of it is probably a bust. Maybe they use him as like a potential reliever. I don't know how they would work that. You know, when they're getting smoked 18 nothing, and they need to put a position player then you know Otani's gonna play that yeah well it's one of those like like you you could honestly use him as like a swing guy where it's okay our pitcher didn't work out and he only went three innings we'll bring in Otani to pitch two or three and that's everything so I could see that um but definitely Trevor Bauer to the Angels is my uh, destination well I think you're right in the sense that with that one-year deal approach that we keep reading about um the Angels could be like, let's give you a one-year deal. Let's see what you can do. And if he has a good year and he enjoys playing with Mike Trout, I mean, who wouldn't? Um, and then Lots Rendon's also there. Angels team is awful. <laughs> well, I mean, it is. And then aside from, uh, I guess, Trout and um, Rendon, like, there's not really much. Don't 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 count. It. But I mean, Otani. if he ends up there, yeah. But I mean, Otani has been on the shelf for most of his time, so I mean, you don't really see him. I guess. So I mean. You're right. I mean, if you give me a pick there, you'd be like, here, I'll sign a one-year deal. And if it goes well, give me what money I want. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like we said, it, he would fit well in the Blue Jays too. Him and him and Ryu would be a lethal one-two for sure. Um, but I, I can see the Angels. Absolutely. You guys are, you guys are right on that one. Well, and any team could use a, an ace basically because yeah. he's turned into an ace. So yeah, exactly. That'll do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you're looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. You can visit them at canadakickingacademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. We're going to take a quick break here. After the break, we will talk NFL, maybe a little NBA, and some World Junior stuff right after this. Welcome back, and let's get right into the NFL talk, guys. Week 12 was chaotic, I think might be the best word to describe uh, it. While we, were rec- while we were recording last week, news came out 
And I kind of wish we had recorded later in the day so we could have got this in the show last week. But news comes out that the Broncos don't have a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Because one of them tested positive and the rest of them apparently were not doing proper masking protocols in a meeting with that one that tested positive. So what do they do? They reach down to the practice squad wide receiver core and pull up Kendall Hinton, who hasn't thrown a pass in two years. Ironically, has a touchdown more re- throwing touchdown more recently than Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill's last throwing touchdown was 2017. Kendall Hinton, Hinton threw one in 2018. Now, he is a wide receiver now and has been for, in 2019 as well uh, when he was at Wake Forest. Before that, he was actually Wake Forest's quarterback, and then he made the transition to wide receiver. So it's not like it was a big stretch to think that he could go under center. But wow, what a mess this was. Irfan, what did you make of everything that happened with that Broncos situation and uh, bringing Hinton in? Like, how on earth do they not have three quarterbacks? Like, last week we were talking, the week before we talked about, like, four quarterbacks, right? So, like, how do you, we were talking about how, like, we need more quarterback depth for any team that can pick up an injury, right? Like, they had four players and they still can't do anything. Um I think the, the NFL needs to be tighter on the, the COVID rules. I mean, that's another thing we've also talked about. It's the fact that, hey, you're about to lose. You lost three players, and then you had Hinton come out there, four players, and then, I mean, I think they should be fined just for the sake of it. Just the league should come down and be like, you're getting a fine because your players should be playing, and it's your fault, and it's your fault that game was absolute crap. So, <laughs> um I got nothing. I mean, other than that, like, <laughs> other than that, I mean, that's ridiculous. Like, how do you lose that many quarterbacks? Like, what, what do you, what rules are they following? I know the Raiders weren't listening to rules a little while ago, and I was, I, I thought that would happen to them and first. They got but I, yeah. But like, I mean, in terms of losing a quarterback for that long or losing three or four, I thought it was the, uh, the Raiders that that would happen to first, but nope, it's the Broncos and, yeah. uh, guys come on like we know we're in a in a situation like there something should be better like that's just yeah. comes down to that it was it was a waste of a game it was just like if you're a broncos fan you're like just turn off the tv for today just don't hold on i would like to point out that mm. Taysom hill did not much better than kendall hinton did in that game as a quarterback they, that was awful quarterback well, no, play the, i meant game. just turn it off the, the whole thing for no i know i'm just saying like i'm as a whole though that game was awful from the quarterback perspective both of yeah. them played like crap in that game listen i understand hinton not being good because he hasn't played in a couple of years but like he'll, he'll <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't take any snaps with the first team he didn't take a single snap as a quarterback for the for the entire time he's been with the broncos and then he got thrown in, and his first snap was literally the first snap under center in the game. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Uh, Kyle, what were your thoughts on the whole situation and what happened? I think it's an embarrassment on the NFL, to be honest. Um, I don't think that game should have been played. Um, I get that it's the Broncos' fault, and they played their they whatever face they consequences. But it's the NFL looks like shit. Agreed. The NFL looks terrible because that game was unwatchable. Um, from both and, sides of the ball, honestly. Yeah, from, like, like, obviously the Saints completely dominated on, like, defense and special teams and all kind of stuff and yeah. so on and so forth. But um, the fact that the game, that game was allowed to go on is is just an embarrassment on the NFL. And it's an embarrassment on, on the Broncos, too. And it's one of those um, – you kind of get what you deserve when you don't wear a mask and when every single quarterback's in a, obviously in a quarterback's meeting 
Um, a non-scheduled quarterbacks meeting too. Can we point that out? It wasn't actually one of their scheduled meetings with the team. They just decided they wanted to do extra work together and they went into this meeting themselves. Yeah. Which is great on a regular basis. There are (laughs) protocols and that's the reason for it. No. Um, Do the Saints look like they missed, uh, sorry, Teddy Bridgewater now because (laughs) it was absolute crap. Well, they have an actual, like, sorry, I think Hill could be an actual quarterback if given an opportunity to train with the first team consistently. But you have a guy who threw 30 touchdowns last year on your bench. And yes, I know people don't necessarily trust Winston and I get why people don't trust Winston. But if you're watching that game as Sean Payton, and I know you want to give Hill every, every benefit of the doubt when you're up by 20, at what point do you throw Winston in? Like, they didn't throw him in until the last drive, and I think he took a knee. Like, what? what's the point of having him on your bench if you're never going to actually use him? I just don't get That was the game to, like, split the time, it's and they didn't. Yeah. Um, does this bring out the fact that, like, I know the Broncos don't have a practice squad quarterback. Some of the teams have gone this year because of COVID and they don't want to get caught in a situation like this. I know the Bills are an example of this. They have one of their quarterbacks strictly with the practice squad. So not on site with the other quarterbacks, doesn't get to go into any in-person meetings. They can do everything online, but they can't go into the in-person meetings. So they get zoomed in or whatever. Does this like kind of build off the fact that that needs to happen in a season like this? Like some teams have been smart and done it like the Bills, but now the Broncos made it very obvious like, hey, we should be putting a guy on the practice squad and just not letting them come anywhere near anybody else just in case, right? Like, Kyle, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, th- I think that's definitely should be a thing. I also think that the NFL should have put something in place with uh, like a, a contingency plan for for that, where there's like an emergency, emergency backup or something like that, that – has nothing like it is just separate from the team. Steve, uh, um, David Ayers, you mean? He could just call him up. Like. Pretty much, like it's it's, it's like <laughs> some, some, something like like each team should have a guy on reserve that you know maybe he's like that second year quarterback of out of universe, like maybe like a Ben DiNucci type guy or whatever it may be. Nathan Peterman, um, like like something like that, where where it's a it's a guy on call, right? Where he's a more capable quarterback than throwing in a practice squad wide receiver in case anything unsigned rookie practice or undrafted rookie practice squad wide receiver let's all that plays into a factor as well so it's like something like that i think definitely the nfl should have something in place where it's just a big group of a group of quarterbacks or something like that that that's just available at all times to any team that requires a quarterback and they can sign him to you know a week a 10-day contract or whatever it may be yeah. Not necessarily a full year contract, but I think there should be like or a co- or their contract, like they each have just a contract from the league, like a league minimum contract put, yeah. paid for by the league. So if you get called up, and, yeah, and, and they make they make this much per game, whatever yeah. whoever they play for, they play that game, whatever. Yeah. Something like that, I think, should be in place, um, especially with how everything's gone this year. Yeah. Like, because you you look at even like the the Ravens right now, yeah. if Lamar Jackson doesn't get cleared they have one quarterback on their roster. And so that, that Trace McSorley. Oh, because Griffin got hurt, right? Yeah, because Griffin's on IR now, so he's out for three weeks. So, Oh, God. <laughs> um, so if Lamar doesn't get cleared. He's some wildcat. Exactly. You're looking at Trace McSorley. And Trace McSorley looked good he on did. He looked the good. one pass he 
through, but he would quite um, the rest of his yeah. snaps. Yeah. So, um, obviously, he's drafted out of Penn State in 2019. So he's he's one of those guys where he was actually drafted as a quarterback. So it's a little different story. But yeah, um, it's very similar. Like if if they don't have a guy on the practice roster, who's gonna be that backup quarterback if he gets injured? And God knows the amount of quarterbacks that have got injured this year. There's a good chance he goes down for a couple of plays. So, yeah. Wildcat. Like, Mark yeah. Ingram, so, <laughs> under center. Well, as I say, he if they finally got cleared, so we'll see if Dobbins and Ingram are back for them too. Yeah. Like so, um, I, we I do we do need to give Kendall Hinton credit. Like that guy stepped in a day before the game was told, "Yeah, you're playing a position you haven't played in two years," and he, I know he didn't look great, but give the man credit. That guy had no clue what was happening. Found out like 24 hours before. Hey, you're going to be our starting quarterback tomorrow. Like, give him full credit for what he did. Don't yeah. expect him to be playing. We'll give him a credit, year. but I think it's the Broncos. No, he, no, he gets zero. credit. The Broncos. The Broncos absolutely things. botched it. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that the league didn't come out and say that the game's canceled because you had three tests. Yeah. I came up positive. Like, what if they were in contact with everyone else, even though, like, you might have a negative test on the day of, but you could be yeah. positive the next day. Like, I mean, No, I think, and I think the Broncos got very lucky that everyone else tested negative on the team. Yeah. So I think they got very lucky in that. Uh, let's move on to the other chaotic game of the week. And it was the aforementioned Ravens and the Steelers, which was supposed to be last Thursday on thing or not last Thursday, the Thursday before on Thanksgiving. And, and then it got moved to Sunday and, and then it got moved to Monday and then it got moved to no, Tuesday. No, it got no moved sorry, to Sunday, it got moved to Tuesday. Sunday to Tuesday. Sorry, Sunday to Tuesday. Sunday and then Tuesday to, Tuesday to Wednesday afternoon. Mm-hmm. So they could hide the game, basically. Pretty much. Only the second time in NFL history, boys, that a game was played on a Wednesday. <laughs> second time. And the last one was before the merger. So that tells you a lot. How was this game allowed to go on? Like, really, how was this, this game allowed to go on? Sorry, is this the game that a couple weeks, like week six or week five, that was rescheduled? Is it the same one or it's a different different game? It's a different that was but Broncos, the Ravens. That was Broncos Ravens. That was week seven. They did it up, I think. Yeah. yeah. But the Ravens have been bit with this COVID bug. Like, they've not had any luck with it, right? Like, this is their second time going through like the, the first one that their first game was rescheduled and then this one right like isn't this the second time the ravens have been i can't confirm that off the top of my head but let me double, yeah. let me double right. check you asked Sounds kyle right. this question yeah because i think right. this is the second time and then i mean they just keep getting positive tests and i don't know what the hell they're doing with it well they had eight straight days of positive tests leading up to this game why not just cancel it, reschedule, and if it doesn't get played, it doesn't get played. I don't think it in- impacts the Steelers. No, as I much. know why. I know why it's going to get played because the players get paid per game, and they were never going to miss a game. Like that's the yeah. thing. I know that for a fact. But the league has said that they have a Week 18 possibility. It's there. They can use it. Yeah. Freaking use it then. Like they are so scared to schedule a game for Week 18. Why? Especially a game like the Steelers-Ravens where you know it's going to be a good game. It's not mm-hmm. like it's like a scrub game like Denver versus New Orleans, right? Where the two teams don't really care about each other. It's Ravens-Steelers. Every time those two teams play, it's entertaining. You can ask Justin this as a Steelers fan. He hates playing the Ravens because it's always a close game. It's like, always a close game. 
surprisingly. Yeah. But like, why are we? Why are they so scared to schedule a game for Week 18, Kyle? Um, because I don't think they want to push back their. I don't think they want to push back the schedule. I really don't think they do. I think it's there as a contingency plan if it really goes bad. But are if you say they... 26 positive tests for the Ravens is not really going bad? In the NFL's mind, probably not. It's not 27. That's what they're thinking. In, in, in the NFL's mind, it's not the full team. I don't give a shit. But, like, I just don't get it. You said that you have this set up after the first couple games where they had to move games to bye weeks and stuff. They're like, yeah, we have this week 18 option. We're ready to use it. This was the game that you could say, okay, we're using it. And then any other game that needs to be rescheduled automatically get moves to week 18 as opposed to trying to move it to Sunday or Monday or Tuesday, right? Like, just do it. That's the whole point of it. Why are we, yeah. why are they so scared? It's a, it's a fucking unprecedented year. Do it. I don't care. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I mean, didn't they also come out the NFL say <clears throat> that they don't want to um, do a bubble either, even with all these numbers coming up? Yeah, they don't want so, to do I mean, a playoff bubble. I think they're just. Well, they're I thought just... they were talking about possibly doing a playoff bubble, but they've never. They said they did. Yeah, Goodell they ruled it out. Yeah. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Because so, like, I think if the if the NFL was worried about revenue or shares or blah blah blah, then it's on them because yeah. you could easily fix this if there was some bubble and minimal traveling because the states are just booming with numbers like I, I i'm sorry but like you're telling me that with the way that covid is rising in the states it's not going to affect the players of course it's going to affect the players like I, don't I, I think the biggest thing is i think the nfl is kind of holding out till week 16 week 17 to make sure that week 18 is a possibility still during those weeks like I don't think, with, obviously, with the last week being week 12, I don't think the NFL is like, hey, yeah, if we need to, we'll make it up in week 18 because God knows there's going to be another game that's going to be postponed in the coming four or five weeks. I know, but it, let's say it's not one of these two teams, though. Then that's fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but then the other thing is, like, if you, if you do that team, right, so say it's Pittsburgh-Baltimore, and somebody playing Baltimore in two weeks – all of a sudden, had they have their own cases? No, I get that. I understand right? you, that. You can't have Baltimore play twice in Week 18. That's the big thing. I understand that. I get that. <clears throat> so but. I think I think if it comes down to Week 16, 17, yes, Week 18 is a real possibility. Up until then, I don't think so. I think they'll push back as far as they can. Okay. Okay. Let's move on to NBA quickly here, boys. And I'm saying quickly because we've been talking a long time about MLB and NFL. Um. Obviously, some big signings this week. LeBron re-upped until 2023. Uh, Anthony Davis re-upped until 2025 with the, yep. well, the player option for 2024-25. Um, are the Lakers the obvious front runners to repeat here? Like, is that is this just is this just the Lakers championship to lose at this point? Um, no. Um, are they the favorites? Sure. Uh, is it theirs to lose? No, I don't think so. Because I think the Clippers got better. Uh, I think the Bucks got better. Um, and I think I think the Heat, are, are once they're healthy, are going to be better as well. Um, so I think, I think, I don't think it's theirs to, it's, well, I guess it technically is theirs to lose since they have it. But um, you know what I meant. 
they're they're definitely the favorites i would say especially with the team and the additions they added but um they're definitely it's definitely not a one horse race let's put it that way okay Irfan, what are your thoughts on that i think i think it is theirs to lose only because i don't think the rockets got better um no. the, the the warriors lost um forgot play. about that rockets deal hold on let me let me say that uh they trade westbrook to washington and get john wall so and a first round pick they got a first round pick out of that let's also throw that out they got john wall and a first round pick yeah it's because russell westbrook's a better player right now yeah because wall hasn't played in like two yeah because wall's been i understand achy, that achy, achy break your knees for the last two and a half well, years i understand that but they got john wall and a first round pick for russell westbrook and john wall was an all-star but, but it's all it's also protected so it's like a 28 like 20th overall pick yeah but it's protected in 2023 or something they'll take a first round pick they'll flip it for something better once they realize it i mean and also the rockets might save like 100 grand at one point exactly so i mean i'm saying i'm just saying i think the rockets win this deal just on paper we'll have to see how the two play but as on paper you're getting john wall and a first round pick for one player they should flip john wall and get someone who can play defense well, apparently, uh, apparently Harden wanted to play with John Wall. That's yeah, why. Harden wanted to play with Wall. That's right, but that's two guards now, which we haven't seen work for the last couple of years. For those. Well, so we I never know. thought Westbrook was going to work. I don't know. I don't know if anyone actually thought Westbrook was no, going to work. No, because he Houston. wasn't willing to play another position. Like, just toss him over at a small he's forward if you want to. He's also dog shit at defense. So. No, Westbrook's yeah. a point guard, dude. No, no, I know he's a point guard. I'm just saying they should have moved him around, and he had more touches than we thought he would have, and still it just wasn't good. No, it's because they're that's just two big personalities that can't play together. I I, th- I, th- I think the big thing was with Wall is he's willing to give up the ball and give some dimes as well. Yeah. Not and, not as and so he, he still needs to be on the ball well, as a point guard, but for sure. But he doesn't need to be the guy who's going to put up forty points. Again. Yes, exactly. He had to do that in Washington for them to win. Yes. Now he doesn't have to do that in Houston because he's Agreed. got Harden who can Agreed. do that. Agreed. And then honestly. Teaming him up with Boogie Cousins too, that if, if Boogie can stay healthy and Wall can stay healthy, that Houston team immediately goes to second or third in the Western Conference. What do Boogie Cousins teams. and John Wall have in common? They both went to Kentucky and can't stay healthy. Bingo. They okay. played together in Kentucky, didn't they? Um, Irfan, sorry, we cut you off though. You no, no, it's fine. Houston but I'm just, saying, I'm just saying, like, I mean, there's question marks with them. There's the, the Warriors aren't 100%. I mean, I don't know what the Clippers are going to be. I mean, yes, they got better with the Baca coming in. Uh, they got a new coach. Um, but that cohesive unit there, we noticed it last year when they collapsed and also with the players speaking out with preferential treatment for Kawhi. Like, mm-hmm. there might be something going on back there. I think the biggest team that could challenge um, the Lakers for their title in the West, I think it's the, the, the Nuggets. I mean, we saw what they did last year. I think... Everyone's like, well, you know, the Clippers blew away the 3-1 lead. It's like, no, but you also look at what, how good Denver was. Even when they were down, they played really well. So, I, and I think, con Jamal Murray, too. Yep. So, I mean, <laughs> I think I think it is the Lakers to lose in the West, but I, I think if there's a team that's going to – that doesn't have question marks beside their names, I think it's Denver. So, that would be my, I think, approach to that. Yeah, and I think I think you guys are both right. I think Kyle, you you saying Milwaukee got better, he, the Miami getting better just because they get healthy. Um, those are those are two big factors coming out of the East. Uh, Celtics look 
good last year, they could get better just because they have another year under their belt together. Mm-hmm. So they that's something upgraded. to watch for. They well, upgraded for Cantor and got Thompson. So I think that's a huge. The one thing with the Celtics that pisses me off is the fact that they, they let they let Hayward go without getting anything back for him. Yeah. Like, like but I don't me, think they necessarily got worse because of that because he barely played. Is what I'm saying. Uh, yes and no. In the like, you know what like, I mean though. Like in comparison to last season, because he didn't play much, they didn't get worse from last season. Fair. He was he was their third best player when it came to the end of the season playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, for a guy um, who stepped on the court on his first day in a Celtics uniform and got hurt. Oh yeah, it, it was. It was been kind to him, and I think the, the the Celtics chose him over Al Horford for the time being. And I just, I think it's just a trade or a move that didn't pan out for the the Celts. Not necessarily losing them and getting worse. I think they're still a very good team. Didn't they trade Horford? Wasn't he? No, they just couldn't re-sign him because um he wanted a little bit more money, and they're like, well, we have too much money tied up to here and here, and then that's why they went and got Cantor. No, like this year they traded Horford. No, Horford to... got traded from the Philly team. Yeah, to a different team. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah I, he was I, traded. You are right. Wrong, yeah. wrong he was I'm, like, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I thought it was a trade, but yeah, no, 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 but he signed Philly. a four-year deal because Celtics didn't re-up <clears> him, <throat> and then right, got traded. Right. And that's year. another team that a lot of people yeah. are really high on is Philly in the East, and I'm still not convinced about that Ben Simmons. Doc's a better coach. He's a better coach for sure. Don't get me wrong. I just, I, I don't trust Simmons and Embiid together. I know that sounds really stupid. I just have zero faith in that. Do you give him one more year? And then if it doesn't yeah, work, I think you, you have, to, especially since you brought a new coach in, you give him a year, but I just, I have no faith in them personally. I don't know about you guys. I, I don't trust a point guard who can't shoot a three pointer. That's just my opinion. There you go. Uh, let's move on to our hometown team here, boys, the Raptors. And what did we make of this offseason? Obviously re-signing Fred Van Vliet was massive. I know everyone was saying that that had to be done. But losing the big men in Gasol and Abaca, replacing them with uh, Baines and Len. Where, where are we seeing this team go? Uh, Irfan, we'll start with you, buddy. I don't necessarily think they'll be a bad regular season team. I think the biggest question mark will be in the playoffs because they lost two experienced players. I mean, Kyle's there. Uh, Van Leet's there. Powell's going to just step up. Siakam said it was a hiccup last year, and he's going to be better. So um, I don't see them struggling in the regular season. Um, they'll be a top three team it's the playoffs that I'm a little concerned about is like who's willing to do the grind because last year they got outplayed by the Celtics when they should have won like then and that's something that they got out out hustled that's that's they did they They got got out hustled hustled. they got their stars got outplayed um by by Tatum and Brown um I mean I think losing two very good players that are core pieces of the championship team i don't think they did enough to replace them so i don't know if webster or Masai is going to do something come trade deadline or make a trade to move some pieces but i don't think they did enough for the playoffs but i think they're okay for the regular season kyle yeah i have them third in the east um behind obviously uh the heat and milwaukee um i don't think I don't think the Sixers are going to be up there. I think they'll be 44th or something like that. Um, come playoff time, they're going to be in tough. Um, I do like the additions of both Len and Baines for the center. Um, Gasol was god awful, so I'm in a way. Gasol was Gasol was a very situational center, and you could only put him in in certain situations to have him be valuable. That was the issue. But his defensive work that, that, is that, probably that, better. That's a, that's a big roundabout way of saying he was dog shit last year. Just saying. 
mm. of saying that you can only use them in situational. But that's why they had and, surge, right? Like they went I know. one and two, and, and so they played the opposite thing. Yeah, so I don't it was know. a foul. Lo- yeah. lo- losing surge was the the big problem. Yeah. Gasol was gone either way, and they weren't going to sign him. And I I don't unless think he was coming back on veteran minimum, right? Yeah, and, and it's one of those I don't see it. So, um, but losing losing surge was huge, and I think because surge was going to be your starting center. And if you went out, if you were a little lineup with Lowry, Van Vliet, and an OBC Siakam surge, you're set. I think. And then Bane's off the bench. I think you're fine. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, if Ibaka came back, I don't know Baines if they would have kept Baines. No. Baines doesn't sign. Or to be honest, they might not have kept Boucher. If I'm being honest, it probably would have been Baines as the backup. Boucher is gone. Yeah. So I, think, I don't know if yeah. they signed Baines. I don't know if Baines signs. Well, to replace if Ibaka stays. No, I'm yeah, saying if I mean, Ibaka stays, I don't think Bain signs is what I'm saying. True. So they probably sign Len and, and keep Boucher as well. Potentially, but Potentially. I think Baines would be a better upgrade with losing Marcus I agree. No, I, think- I agree that if, if Gasol was the only one who left, obviously getting Baines in as the backup would be the ideal situation. I just don't think Bain signs in Toronto if Ibaka stays. Yeah. So, anyway. Beside the point. But either way, I, I, I don't I, I think they dropped down from second this year where they've normally been. I think the Heat overtake them this year, just based on who they are. And then, honestly, as a Raptors fan, I'm looking towards next offseason. I, I don't think they really have a chance with the championship. We'll see, but I don't think they do. You never know, right? Um, but I'm looking towards the offseason next year and see what kind of what kind of damage they can do with free agents. So yeah, I think my outlook on the Raps is they're going to be either somewhere between one and four. Right, it just depends on how the play, the regular season goes. Like one team gets hurt for a stretch and they get really hot, sort of thing. Like they could finish first. I think every, I think both of you are right. Realistically, they're probably third. Um, but I think the two, the one through four in the East is pr- pretty interchangeable, honestly. And I I have the Celtics at four, not the Sixers, just because. I, yeah, I, I, I totally I totally forgot the Celtics. To be honest, I just don't trust the Sixers. Mm-hmm. But I think that one through four Heat. Milwaukee, Toronto, and Boston, just depending on how things happen in the regular season, could be interchanged in the top mm-hmm. four. So. And I think the Pacers go fifth there because I, like you said, I don't trust the Sixers. Oh. Yeah, I think I think the next group is like the Pacers, the Sixers, um, the Magic, maybe. The maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I, I don't. Really I think know I think uh, you know what if the Raptors. Um, with the way their offseason goes, I think they need to focus on bringing back Masai for this year. So then he's there on the table next year for Giannis. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, we're going to take another quick break. After this, we will talk really quickly World Juniors and then wrap this bad boy up right here on Garage Door Sports. Good day, everybody. This is Ryan from 20 Minutes on Ice. Join me and my co-host, Nick McVicker, for opinions and analysis on the week that was in the hockey world. New episode available every Friday, wherever you download your favorite podcasts from. 20 Minutes on Ice, part of the Garage Door Sports Network. Welcome back. Make sure you tune in to 20 Minutes on Ice. This past week, me and Ryan did talk about what we think the 2020 season is going to look like in, what, 
we would prefer it to look like two very different answers to that question. Um, I'm going to ask you guys quickly, uh, what do you realistically is the 2020 NHL season going to look like here, Kyle? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think ideally they want it to be 56 games or at least 52. Um, will that actually happen? I don't think so. No. Um, well, so we'll see what happens with that. Right now, there's talk of potentially even a lockout based on the owners and stuff with the players not taking full money. So it's the MLB shit all over again. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, it should be. I'm 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 excited for them to start, and I really hope they they work things out. So yeah, Irfan, quickly. Uh, shortened season is something we'll see, and if the CBA or the the salary issue doesn't get rectified, then you're right. It could be a lockdown, like I mean. So we have. I hope there's a season. I, I I would take 40 games or 50 games. I don't really care as long as there's a season. Yeah, I, I talk about it on the show, so go listen. But I, I think it's going to be a 48 game season, and we're going to end end of July. Anyways, let's move to the upcoming World Junior Tournament, which is being held in Edmonton. Correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And it will be a bubble. But. <laughs> training camps opened a few weeks ago and Canada is currently involved in a 14 day quarantine because somebody tested positive for the coronavirus. The assistant coach. I think it was a player too. I think it was a player yeah. and a coach, but anyways, um, so they haven't been on the ice for they're They're not going to be on the ice for 14 days between the start and the end of this quarantine. They're not going to have physical. They're not going to have in-person contact with anybody from the team. They've been doing a lot of Zoom stuff, which is great. I think they've been doing some like rock, paper, scissors games over Zoom, like like a like a tournament and stuff like that, because poker wasn't working. I don't know. They were gonna play poker as a team and that didn't work, so they had a rock, paper, scissors challenge. Interesting. Uh, they're they're trying to stay as connected as you possibly can through Zoom during a quarantine. But how does this affect Team Canada's chances at this world juniors, Kyle? Um to be let's, honest, I, let's point I, out they were the favorites going in. I don't think it plays a huge factor, to be honest. Um, I think, sure, it is a factor of obviously trying to get some um, chemistry going with with everybody that's played um, and everybody who is going to play. But I think with Canada being the team they are, they also have those things called preliminary games, um, which they usually beat up on the, the weaker teams. And I, I think Canada, especially if, if they are, you know, not necessarily cohesive as, as they would be, um, are more than willing to play those games as warm-up games for the knockout round. Um, I think Canada has enough talent to get by those weaker teams as is. And obviously when you're playing the States and that kind of stuff, it might be a little bit more of a shit show comparatively, but um, I don't think it affects them as much as people think it may. Okay. Irfan? I don't think it affects them either. I think they're they're the favorites, right? Like they're the favorites going in, going in to defend. They are the better team. Uh, I think the skill level and talent level on this on this squad is by far one of the best we've seen in a while. So I think not necessarily. I think what will affect is the health going forward. Is like the people that test the positive. Like how does that impact their ability to play? I think that would be the biggest question mark. But I think Kyle was right on the nose with that one when he said the prelim games will be warm ups and then the group stages. I don't think they have anything to worry about. Um, 
except for maybe one game in that. Um, so even if they finish second in the group, I don't think it's a bad thing for them because it'll give them extra games to really get into it. So it's not a huge thing. I think the biggest question will be if Canada is, you know, in quarantine, what does that mean for other teams that are in quarantine or do they end up in quarantine and do they cancel the tournament if closer to the data, the games, like somebody else tests positive on a team. I think that would be the biggest question mark I have, but I don't think I'm questioning Canada's ability to win. Yeah, and I think Canada's the only one that's gone into quarantine so far, I believe. I could yeah, be I wrong so. on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're looking at some of the other rosters. The American roster is not as strong as it has been the last few years. They're they're having a down year for their World Junior team, which is fine. You're allowed to have a down year every once in a while for skill level. Mm-hmm. One thing I think is going to get underplayed as a topic here, and I'm going to bring this up to you guys, because they are in a bubble. They have no family around. They're in the bubble. All of these, all of the teams, not just Canada. Everyone's just going to be in a bubble. We could see some of the most cohesive units in a world junior that we've ever seen. They don't have any other distractions. There is no other family members there. There's no fans. There's no one. They're, they're not going out to restaurants and making cliques. They're all together. They're stuck together, basically. Yeah, they either we want could... to play together or they want to beat the shit out of each other. But there were, we could have some of the most cohesive units and some of the most incredible line chemistry that we've ever seen just because these guys are spending all day together. I think this could be one of the most entertaining world juniors that we've had if they get it off, first of all, because of that factor. And it's something that won't get talked about very often, but being in that bubble could bring that, bring that out. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily incorrect. I mean, having a line with... Lafreniere and Byfield, for example. I mean, if they get to sit together, work together, and Lafreniere is not playing. Lafreniere's out. He's not playing. No, the Rangers, Rangers said they're not signing him. Oh, never mind. All right, so I'll take back Lafreniere. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think pick any other player. I think you're right. I think you go. Well, you know, here's the situation. They'll probably do videotapes of games and stuff. Here's the situation. This is what I would do. This is what I expect you to do. And you kind of. I think you have more time in front of the video, whereas I think you're right. If they weren't doing that, they would have been with family, friends, going out and spending less time in front of the train. And like, I don't want, I don't want to think that like we think these players have been like going out in normal world juniors and partying on like off days. No, we're saying that they're just spending time with other people, not just their teammates. Mm -hmm. Right. They're there for the experience. And this time it's like, it feels like the way the draft was, for example, yeah, but it's the way the draft was like you don't really get to see the talent. You're just focused on what you know with your analytics, and they'll exactly. focus on their analytics. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Kyle, what is your thought on that? Um, I think it could be that, or it could be the, quite the opposite, actually. Um, I yeah, think potential the potentially sure. because they are with their teammates so often. Um, yes, they could grow with chemistry and and be that more cohesive unit, but at the same time, majority of that chemistry is built on the ice rather than off the ice. So, um, no, I'm saying like during the tournament, not now, like I know Canada's in quarantine, like we're, we're kind of stuck. Right. Yeah. But I'm saying like during the tournament, after you spent at this point, that would be almost a month and a half for Canada together. Cause they started two weeks ago, three weeks ago with their camp. These players are all together. Haven't really seen anybody else. You're going to have that like bonding connection, regardless that yeah. prior iterations of team Canada have not had because they've been playing on their OHL teams against each other or their, their, their CHL teams against each other. Fair. Right. That's what I'm saying. So we're going to get some co- more cohesive units because of that specifically. Yeah. You could definitely, you could definitely see that for sure. Um, 
see how big of a factor that actually plays. I, I don't know. Um, I think it will but, play more of a factor for some of the smaller teams, for some of the smaller countries. Yeah, and, and honestly, like you, you looked at it last year too, and there was a lot closer games between some of the smaller countries. Like Germany surprised last year on how yeah. how well they played. Switzerland's always that that gritty dog, I guess you, what you could call the that annoying just, team that always ends yeah. up beating a team that they shouldn't. And they, and they usually beat somebody in the knockout round, and they beat them one nothing, and then shut down defensively and don't let anybody score. So it's like like. Like those type of teams that like you could 100% see because majority of those players end up playing with each other anyways overseas. Yeah. Um, and they kind of take like a group of players from each team and kind of combine it all together. So yeah. I, could, I could definitely see teams like that. Um, I don't see a team like, you know, say Slovakia or something like that really doing the same thing. Um, maybe Austria. I don't know what Austria has for players this year, potentially. Um, but somebody like the Czech Republic could could do that as well. So um, I think it definitely benefits the smaller teams comparatively. So like we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Fair enough. Okay, one more question, boys, and we'll wrap this up. Should this tournament even be going on during a pandemic, especially with the, the situation going on in Alberta at the moment where numbers are rising rapidly? Is this something that should be happening? And Kyle, I'll start with you. To be honest, as I think it, it's very similar to the NHL bubble. It's very similar to that and in, in how they're going to run it. Um, I think as long as all the protocols are in place and there's cleanings and there's uh, tests and there's masks and everything worn, um, yeah, I'm fine with it, to be honest. Um, because, because it's essentially limited to one city and it's a bubble and they're all playing at the same arena, I think it's safer than if it was, say, split between two cities and all of a sudden now they have to combine again and all that, mm. all that kind of stuff. Now they're in one city, they're one area. They can kind of lock it down. Um, and I, I, th- I think it's fine in that aspect. Okay. Irfan, uh, your thoughts Same on that? Same thing. I think if you're in a bubble, your contact with the outside world, regardless of the numbers increasing, is less. Um, so I think they'll be fine. Um, if, they're, if they're isolated well, I think they'll be fine. Um, it's just, we got to keep an eye out for, I guess, the workers or the cleaners that come in, um, Mm -hmm. and making sure that they're, or the reporters or whatever staff, like other staff aside from players and coaches, uh, just keep an eye on on them because they're the ones that are in contact with the world. But I think if you're constantly doing your tests the way they were for the NHL bubble, I don't see an issue with it. I think they'll be fine. I think there'll be a tournament and I hope there's a tournament because I would look forward to it. I think we all do. I think it's, it's such a big thing from our history that we just love to see we want to see the world juniors go on every year. So well, especially because it starts on Christmas day now. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. It usually starts on boxing day, but now it's on Christmas day. Yeah. Yay. Because no one can go anywhere this year for Christmas. So you, you're just gonna be sitting at home anyway. And there's a pretty damn good game to the end, end of the first night to USA, Russia to start that the 25th. So that'd be fun. I think Russia absolutely demolishes us in that game, but we'll see. Um, yeah, I think I agree with you guys that it's okay, but they have to make sure the protocols are in place because if not, this, this could end very quickly and very badly for everyone involved. Let's wrap this show up, boys. Uh, final thoughts, Irfan. I like starting with you, so we're going to start with you again. Sure. Um, <clears throat> we talked briefly off air about this, and I hope I'm not taking Kyle's, but 
uh, North Dakota's Bernard Docker and Weatherby kneeled during the anthem. I thought that was a great moment. I mean, the last couple of months, I, I think anything hockey related hasn't really talked about uh, racism. I think with the Hockey Diversity Alliance kind of doing their own thing separate from the NHL, um, hockey really hasn't made a step forward. And I think these two guys who are both assistant captains, both drafted in the NHL with um, Bernard Docker with the Senators and the Sharks with Weatherby in the fourth round there. So, I mean, I like that. I think it was a good thing. I uh, haven't seen it in hockey as much, and I hope it continues because these two leaders spoke about it. And I'd like to see it more. Like, we see it in soccer every so often, but um, they're also decreasing with how many times they do that. So um, i like it to continue. Soccer is a little bit of a different sport, though, because it's very racially mixed anyway. Because no, no, I know soccer, what you mean. Right? Yeah, so I know I what you mean, but they're not, they they're not doing do it. As, but they don't have to do as much because that sport is already so diverse. No, no, but well, what I meant no. in the sense that you're kneeling, well, you like they're what, not kneeling what? after, like at the start of games right. as I, much I get what anymore. I get it's, because, it's because soccer is such an old school game that – if there's somebody who's kneeling for an anthem, there's a good chance that that club doesn't want let them play anymore. It, it, it's uh, I, I don't think no, so. No, no, I, 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 I think I think I think it is because you still look at all the fans and stuff being racially profiled, obviously racially profiling players on the pitch too, and teams not doing a goddamn thing about it. Oh, but well, they have been. Well, this all, year, this, this, year, this, this year yeah, and this, last all, year they have. Been. Yeah, because now they're facing pressures from the outside. Well, yeah, and the players are speaking if, up for if, if there was if there was no pressures from the outside, the clubs wouldn't have got, done a goddamn thing. No. And 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 that's the old school mentality of the clubs. I think it's on the players themselves to take charge and do something, mm-hmm. and and like stand up and actually have a voice. And then, mm-hmm. then you're seeing more and more players. And I don't know if soccer's really taking the charge they could. No, Just, they're definitely not. I'm not saying they are. Know. I'm just saying in comparison what... to hockey. They don't need. They don't need to be doing the kneeling before every game. Like I think hockey still should be doing something like yeah. that, just because the sport in and of itself is more diverse. I think soccer needs to do other stuff other than kneeling. Like I don't think kneeling has the same effect in soccer as it does in hockey because of the diversity of the sport itself. Is what I'm saying. That's what I was saying. Yeah. I, th- I think it does. I think. I think honestly, I think if you were to kneel, because obviously there's more. There's more. I guess people of. Like, I, I don't know how to say this without sounding fucking white as shit, but there's more people, of, there's more people of color playing soccer, I guess is really what I can say. Um, and I think, it, you know, if you link arms and you take a knee together with that, with, with that player who's standing up for something, then you make a bigger message, right? right. When, when there's, when there's more people potentially involved in the movement when it comes to soccer compared to hockey, because hockey, um, there's there's obviously a, a minority when it comes to to like color. people yeah. of color. There we go. That's what I was trying to say. I couldn't say it properly. Um, there, there's obviously a minority when it comes to that, but and and so those people have stepped up, and there's people stepping up for them as well. But I, I don't see the same in soccer. I, I I don't see it, and I think they have such a worldwide stage mm-hmm. compared to hockey where hockey is more North American driven, I guess is really what you focus on. Obviously, yes, Europe, but it's mostly North American driven where all this stuff kind of plays a factor compared to soccer where it's all over the world and you're not hearing anything. No. And I think I was trying to compare it in the sense that they've kind of numbed it down in a way that they're not, they're just like the teams that are kneeling are just kneeling for the sake of kneeling now because it's what everyone expects you to do. Um, 
but I'm just saying we're, we're seeing a little bit more in, in Europe right now comparatively to hockey. And I think that's just, I guess that's what I was getting at. Yeah. No, I got good to see on yeah. North American soil. Like I think we need to see For more sure. of it, like especially in other sports as well. Yeah. And I, I wasn't trying to like shit on your parade. By any no, 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 not at all. Not at <laughs> it, all. It, just... it was, it was more just trying to like bring awareness that like people have to do more. You, you have to Fair step enough. up. Agree. You have to I make agree. I agree. Heard, so. I agree too. Don't worry. That's not, that's not what I was trying to say, but yeah. uh, Kyle, your final thought for the week. Um, I'm not going to take yours. The one we talked about last night. I'm assuming that's yours. I'm not sure which one out, of, out West. I have no idea what you're talking about. Anthem take it. Oh no, I wasn't going to say that. Oh, okay. One, so it's all okay, yours. If you so want. I, I, I got, I got, I got two. Um, I just want to send out my condolences to Carl Anthony Towns um losing that was my no i'm kidding it was like losing the amount of people he had due to covid uh like he said he lost seven relatives to it i i can't imagine obviously put that into perspective he obviously lost his mom to it his dad had it but luckily recovered and it's just like people need to not worry about themselves so much now they need to worry about protecting others as well And, and i think kent carl anthony towns obviously knows that now that he can't trust people around, I guess, around him and around his relatives because clearly somebody's not doing everything they can. So, yeah. and I, I, people, I, I, yeah. like, I think it comes down to everybody thinks that people, that these masks and protocols and stuff are hindrance on themselves. It's no, it's a hindrance on trying to stop this virus and not spread it between everybody else. So, um there's that and that kind of ties into my next point which is the vancouver anthem singer got fired last night by vancouver canucks for uh attending a non-mask rally no he's going to he hasn't actually attended yet oh sorry he was he's going gonna be to the, he's so. going to be the headlining act or something so and he got fired immediately by the vancouver Polani. Canucks. so Alberto, um i think that that's great on vancouver doing that um and i think you know once we make a precedent that this is something that we don't mess around with and it's it's actually a real thing and it needs to be taken seriously um i think more people will come around to it so yeah no i think i think that's what he did was i mean the way the owner did it i'm not really Lost not really it. cool with it was like, great entertainment it was great yeah. entertainment but like that's kind of it's kind of like it's a little shitty thing to find out from social media but yeah that, that's it's that's the, it's not the age. cool that's not cool the way he said it but like the actual firing, yeah, they did the right thing, hundred percent. Um, my shout out of the day is actually for Sarah Fuller, and final thought is, unfortunately for her, won't get to play this weekend because Vanderbilt's game got canceled because they've had too many COVID cases, and that program is an absolute mess right now. And I was talking to you yesterday, Kyle, on the phone, and I was like, the fact that she got in was because of COVID and yet they still played last weekend. Did no one expect them to have more cases after last week? Like, of course they were going to have more. Like that was, that was going to be the case. Their coach gets fired because he's been awful as their coach. They're Owen seven. Like everything is going against them. And then they have this bright spot in Sarah Fuller who came in, did her one kick exactly how she was supposed to do that one kick by the way everyone mm-hmm. ripping on her for not kicking it down the field well she was told not to kick it down the field she was told to put it right in that spot and she did exactly what she was told um i kind of wanted to see her play again and see if she could actually kick a field goal 
in the game because Vanderbilt didn't get anywhere close to, <laughs> to uh, offense last week. But I don't know what happens the rest of the season, but it sounds like she's going to try to stay on as long as she possibly can. So good for her, and I, I wish her the best of luck for sure. Absolutely. Great. That'll do it for us here at Garage Door Sports. If you would like to follow us, make sure you follow the show at Garage Door Sport on Twitter at Garage Door Sports on Instagram. Make sure there's the S on the end on Instagram. If you were looking for each of us individually, you can find Irfan at Irfan Manji, Kyle at Kyle Vardy, and myself at Nick McVicker. You can also follow any of the other shows on our network. Lots of great content there. More coming in the next few weeks, hopefully. Yes. Fingers crossed. Um, make sure you also tune in every uh, week to the website as Wade Zanketa, our NFL analyst, is giving great recaps of the week for the NFL, including storylines and more. Uh, thank you for listening to everyone who does listen to us consistently. We appreciate your feedback. Thank you for listening to this show, and we will see you next time.